Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. I think it's very important for those of you who may have been adopted or those of you who may have been or had children in a mother and baby home. I think it's important, this email. And if you can give advice or you can get in contact with us or you want to get in contact with us and talk to us about it, I would love to hear from you. But I'll read it out of me. Hi now, I'll make this as brief as possible. But in the late 70s, I put a child up for adoption because at the time I was only 19 years of age. And my mother and father were ashamed of me being pregnant in a small town in Ireland where everybody knew everybody's business. Anyway, I was shipped off to a local mother and baby home uh, for the final part of my pregnancy and put my child up for adoption as I had no real choice as my mother warned me not to come home with a baby. I never told anybody. And I was the only child, so the secret wasn't too difficult to keep. I met a lovely man about a year later uh, after I had my baby boy, but never told him about my secret. And we went on to get married and have four lovely children and never told them that they had a brother somewhere in the world. Last week, I got a letter from Tusna telling me my son is in America and wants to make contact and I had to call them back on Friday. They told me he's now married with children and I'm officially a grandparent to his children. They asked me to think about what I wanted to do. I honestly don't know what to do. And as much as I'd love to make contact, I would have to admit that I had lied to my husband and my children for 40 years and this would break my heart. And theirs I know as well, as my husband is very conservative and he'd probably lose it. And I'm sure this is how my children would react as well. I'm thinking that as much as I really want to talk to him and see my new grandchildren, that maybe I'm better off not opening that can of worms and let sleeping dogs lie. Please help. I need your advice. I'm so torn on this matter. Now, this is a really difficult situation that I'm sure many people have found themselves in. Be you an adopted child or be you an adoptive parent or mother who put their children up for adoption. So what would you do in that situation? She had a child over 40 years ago. She lied. Well, she didn't lie. She deceived. She didn't tell her husband, the man she married, the man she loves, the man she's been with for 40 years. She didn't tell her children, who are siblings of this child. And I expected, I suppose, that as much as she probably thought about him every single day and thought about him on his birthdays, and all that other kind of stuff that we've heard in the past. She never told them. So now she's afraid if I say something now, they'll say, well, why didn't you tell us before? Like you kept this a secret. What else do we, what else do we not know about you? You know, and, and I understand why she feels like that. But here's a golden opportunity for the son that she gave up for adoption against her will, it seems, 40, over 40 years ago, who's now, I imagine, leading a successful life, married with children in, in America. And he wants to make contact. And this could be the start of a beautiful relationship and friendship with her son. Or it could be a disaster. And she could lose a husband. Or it could break down a relationship with a husband. Maybe after 40 years he'll understand. He'll have a better understanding anyway after everything that's been in the news. But what would you advise her? If, if this was your friend or your sister or something like that, what advice would you give her on this particular occasion? She's torn. You know, what do I do? She says, I'm thinking that as much as I really want to talk to him and see my new grandchildren, that maybe I'm better off not opening that can of worms and let sleeping dogs lie. I'm torn. What advice would you give her? Please let us know if you've been in that situation or you know somebody who's been in that situation and how did it work out. Let us know. The number is 087-188-0008. 087-188-0008. And I want to hear from, you know, as I said, from mother or if you're a child who were put up for adoption as well. Uh, Carla, you're an Ireland's classic kid. How are you doing? 
Hi there, Niall. How are you doing? Uh, Carla, I mean, it's it's a bit difficult, isn't it, when you're in that situation. You don't know what the right thing to do is. As much as she might yearn to see this uh, young man, uh, or well, when I say young man, this man who's married now, she's afraid that what her family might think. Um, well, as an adoptee, if I had, if I were rejected by my birth mother like that, um, you know my addiction history story yourself, and like it's just mm-hmm. like I just I don't understand it. Like, why, why, and how do people keep secrets like this? How in this day and age, like you but know, see, it's not the thing, like it, it was wasn't. Back in, it wasn't in this day and age. It was like over forty years ago. It was easier to keep a secret, particularly if you were in a small town. You know, she said she was sent off. If I read the final the part of there, when she, the final part of her pregnancy, she was basically put in a mother and baby home. So and told by her mother not to come back with a baby. So she kind of was coerced into giving the child up for adoption. And I can see how that could. Well, it happened all the time in those days. Quite common. You know? I know, but it's not like it's, you know, the 1700s. Mm. You know, like, I have even have friends who've landed themselves in situations like another friend of mine is adopted and um, they got a private message on Facebook from someone they didn't know who transpired to be their their younger sister who just found out about them. Like, and, you know, there was a big furore and they didn't trust their mother anymore because they'd been lied to for, you know, X amount of years that there was another sibling out there. And I just... Well, that I was just, probably the wrong way for, on social media or Facebook. That was probably the wrong way to deal with the situation. I know, but... I mean, if, so if, if you're adopted... These days, and I was, you know? in, I was in the same situation as you, Carl. Obviously, I was born in St. Pat's home on the Navin Road in 1963. And I went, for years, I went searching trying to find out who my mother was. And I eventually narrowed it down myself because they wouldn't give me info. This was going back about 10, 15, 20 years ago, yeah. whatever it was. And I had it narrowed down to two women who I knew it was either one or the other. Now, if I had gone knocking on their doors, how are you? I'm Niall, I'm your son. I don't know had they told their family, which turned out she didn't, by the way. My mother hadn't told her. her they knew nothing about me. Now, in the end, I got to meet her and all that kind of stuff, right? But what I'm saying is she didn't tell her family either. There was a big secret. So that's this is not an uncommon story. And maybe she's just afraid of how her family will react. Now, and and but, as much as she wants to meet these new grandchildren and see this son that she probably thought of every day for the last 40 years, you know, it's a secret she's kept. But he's her child. Oh, I know. I know. And I know. This is the, like, as a mother, I like you sacrificed for your child. You put that. You put your children above yourself. It doesn't matter what the situation is. Mm. And I just uh, like, like I just don't understand how can someone marry someone? How can someone raise children for years and not tell them something like this? It just absolutely like. I know it blows my mind as well. It actually makes me angry, and it, it not very many things make me angry at all. You know, like I. I'm quite actually a placid person, despite what people may think of me. <laughs> but this just grinds my gears putting, you know, like you don't know what effect this secret could have on your birth child's life, your biological child's life. 
you know, like people who are rejected for these reasons by their biological parents because they don't want to upset their lives that they've built up since giving you up for adoption, as people say, Mm. like suicide, mental health issues, you know, like it, it goes through the roof. Oh, I know, I know. And and as an adoptee, you think it's important that the mother meet her son. But I mean, it is vital. It, it, it is vital. Yeah, no, because I know I was in. The, I was in the, hide away. I I could only know? imagine at the time when I was on that role and that roller coaster, and people don't understand who are not adoptees, and I don't say that you know patronizingly to people. But when you're on that roller coaster of, of looking for information, being addicted to finding out who it is and your roots and where you come from and why it happened and everything. And if I had been in that situation, had gone to the uh, the uh, agency at the time and said, listen, I want to meet her, and they reached out and she said no, I don't know how I would have reacted. I think you're right. I would have felt rejected. Like, my story happened, my story, like, you, you know, my family still think, you know, it's crazy the way it happened. Because on Stephen's Day 2013, I was home with my folks, you know, Christmas time, you're, you know, all together. And yeah. I invited a friend of mine who I'd known since I was 11 over to my parents' house because I knew, you know, he lost his mom a number of years before and, you know, I knew it was a tough time, you know, Christmas without a parent, you know, it's tough. Yeah. So I invited him over and within like an hour, like we started talking about my adoption. I don't know why we did. I honestly don't know why we did. But within, within an hour of talking about my adoption and a couple of, um, jigsaw p- puzzle pieces added by my amazing adoptive mother, who is a huge fan of yours too. Um, she basically, I within an hour, it went from friend to biological baby brother. Yeah. And you know, like yeah. ever, like it. it and did you, just, by the way, did you find out who your man was? You did. She passed before I met. Okay. Her obviously realizing, you know, he was my brother. Yeah, I knew I'd never get to meet her because she'd passed, you know, a number of years previously. That's incredible. That's that's you just couldn't make that story up. She couldn't. No, like no. you know, I'd gone looking for her myself over the years, but obviously I was hitting brick walls because she was dead. See, I was I was in the same situation to degree. Well, thankfully she's alive. She's passed away since, but thankfully she was alive at the time. But in saying that, I didn't want to ask my parent, adaptive parents about it because I felt it would be insulting to them. And I didn't want well, to disrespect them or upset them or, you know what oh I mean? Oh, no, my, my, my adoptive parents have been, like, I don't know where I'd be without them, honestly. Mm-hmm. But, like, they told me when I was three. And it was, as, it was as normal as brushing your teeth. It was made completely normal to talk about adoption and the whole thing. And they never shied away from details. And the only thing that they ever said to me was, we would prefer, you know, they said, we're never going to stop you looking for her, ever. But we would ask you one favour, please do it once you've finished your leaving cert. Okay. Just get your formal education out of the way so you don't have, you know... This loaded on you. You know, yeah. if, if, if she, basically, if shit hits the fan, you're an adult and you don't have exams and the pressure of all of that to be dealing with if something were to happen, which, you. you know, I That's think fair. is the healthy way of looking at it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so getting, like, so getting know, back to this mother, I have a minute and a half here, getting back to this mother, she, I'm assuming because she sent us in the email, she's listening. So what advice, if, if she was your friend, 
you know, or your auntie or whatever it is, and she's talking to you in confidence now, what would you say to her? If please think about your child over yourself is the honest answer for me. Like, think of your baby. You may have not raised him, but he came from you and look after him. And, you know, if if your husband and your kids really love you, they will support you. But being you have to use it, you have to be truthful. It will Keep be it will be a little bit of a shock initially, but I think they'll it's going to be a shock anyway. But, yeah. you, you know, like you have to be honest. Like if, if if a parent and a child or a husband and wife can't be honest with each other mm-hmm. about everything, what's the point in marriage and no, I, and I understand, but there there are so many couples around the country, and there may be the odd skeleton in closets here every now and again. You know what I mean? And then I, I think for a lot of couples, you know, this particularly from that era, this could be one of those skeletons. There are so many of these situations around the country where people don't know that their man might have put a child up for adoption. You know, back in the day. You know, it's quite common. It's a lot more common than we think, Carla. I know, but yeah. you know, this is this is your child who is reaching out, and mm. you need to step up and be a parent again because they 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 do they they, they might need you. They, they might be going through something awful themselves, and they need you. And this is where you have to step up again and put your big girl pants on and mm. be the be the mom because you never know. Like, well, I suppose they wouldn't be contacting if they didn't have a reason to do it and the reason being that they just have that yearning to find out who it is most likely you know and like would, you don't know what they could be going through they could be going through an awful you, you never know it could be something serious like a health scare or of course yeah maybe something genetic, like they, yeah. they want their army of support around them and you're their mom and it doesn't matter how many years apart you've been and you haven't seen each other and you know mm-hmm. it doesn't matter your nothing will ever change you still have a responsibility and a duty to the yeah. child you gave birth to. Absolutely. Yeah. Carla, listen, I have to go into break. Listen, thank you very much indeed. And I'm sure she listens. She'll take that advice on board. The best line there is put your big girl pants on and deal with it, I suppose. Uh, the number is 087 Maybe you have advice. Maybe you've been in that situation. Maybe you're an adoptee, uh, you know, a child that was adopted. Or maybe you're a woman who put a child up for adoption and you've had to deal with this very thing where you didn't tell people at the time and then you had to come clean. Or maybe you just put a child up for adoption and you understand how she felt coerced to do it because that's what she says in her email. She felt coerced into putting a child up for adoption because of where she lived in a small town mentality and shame on being pregnant at 19 years of age out of wedlock at the time, of course, which was a mortal sin. Uh, the number is 87 8 And also, by the way, I know a lot of people don't understand this because somebody texted in and said it was kind of nonsense. And maybe you're just too young to understand it. Um, when she mentions, and I'll read this part of the email again, I was shipped off to a local mother and baby home for the final part of my pregnancy and put my child up for adoption as I had no real choice as my mother warned me not to come home with a baby. And somebody says, what do you mean she had no real choice? With a text in, a disrespectful text, can I point out? Well, at that time, of course, particularly if you lived in smaller rural towns in Ireland where the local parish priests would have been quite prominent and powerful, you know, uh, fathers would have been very conservative, as mothers probably would have been too, to some degree.
agree. And uh, how dare a daughter of 17 or 18 or 19 years of age get pregnant out of wedlock? I mean, that just wouldn't happen. So as soon as she announced she was pregnant to her father and mother, she'd be sent off to the local mother and baby home and told not to come home with a baby because she would bring shame on the family because that's what they were told at the time. Uh, keep texting, keep WhatsApping. Number 87 What advice would you give her? She's now married with four children and now she's had contact uh, through the agency from her son who's now living in America with his own children and married and he wants to make contact with her but she doesn't know what to do because she'll have to tell the family her 40-year secret. Let me know what you think. 87 188 Darren, you're an Ireland's classic kid. How are you doing, Darren? Hey, Noel. How are you doing? Now, you're an adoptee as well from St. Pat's. Yeah. A fellow St. Pat's adoptee. What, what year were you adopted from St. Pat's? 75. Okay, so you were kind of 12 years after me. Yeah. All right, okay. And um, did you get in touch with your birth mother? Did you find out who she was? I did, both, both mother and father, believe it or not. Um, oh, okay. I went through, yeah, but I went through a social worker, first of all, and it took her about eight months to find contact with her, and she was living and working here in Dublin as a nurse. And I met her about eight months after the social worker had made contact, and she was willing. I was one of the fortunate ones that she was willing to, to meet and explain the situation. It's very similar to what you spoke about, Niall, uh, you know, going home, telling the parents and the parents ashamed of their lives and the the, the, the parish very much, the priest and the, the church very much involved in how things went back then. And she was shipped off to St. Pat's mother and baby home there on the Navin Road. And she wasn't even allowed to hold me. They took her, they took me straight off her and she mm-hmm. was more or less booted out very shortly after. Um, and, and how long were you in St. Pat's for? Have you found out since? Have you received any paperwork or how long were you there? The paperwork was an awful experience um, because it was all uh, blotched out. You know, the Freedom of Information Act came out. Um, Park House redacted, there. redacted, redacted. Yeah, 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 all of that stuff. So very, very difficult, very difficult process. Um, I was in the mother and baby homes five months. Okay. Yeah, I was I was in a lot longer for some reason, thirteen months, and 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 I believe I was really good looking. <laughs> Is that what it was? Is that <laughs> I love what it was? snow blonde hair. <laughs> I, I do believe they used to have open days. This is the truth, from what I yeah. remember. They had open days on a Sunday or whatever it was, out of the odd Sunday, where you know potential adoptive parents would come along, and they would walk yeah. through. I'm sure you've seen the photograph with all the cots in the room. And they would walk in and they would pick one. It's like, how much is the doggy in the window kind of thing? And and exactly. it, that's, I mean, literally, I know we, we make a little bit of a quip about it. It was, oh, that's an attractive child. I'd like that one there, please. That's a good yeah. one there, yeah. And I think a lot of that kind of went on. And a lot of it, of course, was, you know, Americans coming over who had money to donate. Yes. Essentially, yes. they were purchasing babies. So, I mean, what should this mother do now? My my experience, uh, Noel, is that when I met my mum and she explained to me what happened, um, it was a little bit different. She had told her family when I made contact with the social worker, she went straight to her husband. Similar to that lady, her, her husband had married after she'd have me. She had four children. And as soon as I made contact and the social worker con- contacted her, she told her family. They were anxious to meet me, but she couldn't. She didn't want to do that. And why, so, did, why did she, did she tell you why she didn't want to do that? Too painful. And did you, sorry, did you, did you say she had children of her own? Yes. So they're essentially your siblings? Yes, yeah. And, but she didn't, want um, you to, she didn't want you to meet them? She didn't want me to meet them and she, could, she, she was straight up from the beginning. She told me, listen, I wouldn't be able 
um, emotionally or any other way to, to continue a relationship with you. Now, I was very aware of that I was in a lot of counselling before I went ahead with the process and during the process and after hmm. and ever, ever since. But um, how, did, how, did no, that, so how did that make you feel at the time when she said that to you, that I don't want you to, to meet your siblings or, or I don't want to meet you again or form a relationship? It's just a quick one-off to give you whatever information you need. How did you feel then about that? Very hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Very hurt, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, the, you know, you, you, get, you feel the rejection and the abandonment all over again, but I was aware of that going into it, that that might happen, you know. I often try to explain to people when I went through the whole process of trying to find out, and you're, I used to go up to the mother or to the marriage, births and registry office, whatever you call it, there it used to be in town, and I went physically went through all these books trying to find, because nobody would give me information. All I had was a first name. But anyway, yeah. I'm, I knew, of course, when I was born. But for people who don't understand that, idea and I can never explain it to somebody of just wanting to know I still don't know who my father is by the way and I'd love to know but I've no idea who he is but it's that whole thing about wanting to know yeah it's instinct yeah it's it's instinct and if you're not you know the old saying no I'll uh, walk a mile in my shoes and then you'll know yeah yeah you know, so it's that whole thing. Like, uh, just you, I mean, it, it's 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 a deep desire to connect because that wound is so sore. You know, when they're giving away, it's the most unnatural thing that would ever happen to a child. But because in society it's so accepted, and like, you know, if you go across the world, children are are, are murdered. Like, you know, I won't get too heavy into it, but yeah. it's so socially acceptable. You know what I mean? Mm. Only when you're in the situation yourself do you feel the pain of it. You know what I mean? So it, it's easy for people to give opinions and, and, and all that kind of stuff, you know, but um, it does, it hurts very much and it affects, it affected me. I can only speak for myself, Noel. It affected me and still does for this and, and, and are you still, do you, well, I'm not too sure if you know where she's from or whatever. Or, I mean, do you know if you no. have brothers and sisters or where they are? Um. I wouldn't know where her children are. I don't know where she's based in Dublin. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. like, I could rock up and meet a girl in Temple Bar someday. Yeah, and she could be my half sister. Well, well, that's you know exactly what, I mean? what happened to me because I yeah. found out when I was fifty-four years of age, I had a sister, and when I eventually did meet her, she was living in London. We we, we met up. She flew over. And we met up. And we had dinner and everything else. It was lovely, and uh, we've remained in contact to some degree. Not very much. We just write to each other every now and again. But yeah. but I found out that she lived. Her adoptive parents lived about a mile away from mine. We had the right. same mutual friends. We were in. A, we were only a year apart in age. And um, we had the same mutual friend. She was also in St. Pat's, born in St. Pat's as well. And yeah. uh, it seems that we could have ended up as boyfriend and girlfriend. I mean, you could imagine that. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? Well, you know <laughs> what that, you know what the result of that is. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So we, 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 another, I could have ended up dating my own sister. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's another day's work, as yeah. they say. But um, the advice that I would give, to answer your question, the advice I would give to the lady is she, she needs to be very clear about her motives, whether she has the support and whether she has the strength, most importantly. Um, because it wasn't just traumatic for her, it was for me, it was traumatic for her. Because as you said earlier in your show, um, they, had very, they had no choice. They were just told what to do. And because of the shame and all that kind of stuff that goes with it and the church and the power that they have and, you know, the priests and stuff, you know, it was very, very difficult. So I'm aware that my suffering, you know, that there's not a day she goes, goes boy, she doesn't think about me either. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but she couldn't. She wasn't able. She wasn't able to continue that relationship. And, and you, and you haven't heard from her since, no? No, no I, haven't, I haven't heard from her since. Um, but I'd say to that lady, you know, 
be clear about what you think you're going to be able to do and what you're not able to do because you go in with this mindset. I don't know whether it was the same for you, Noel, but when you go in with this mindset, you have all these like ideas about. I know. You know, because all of them lost years and all that kind of stuff. It does affect you emotionally and psychologically. You know, and you have all these ideas about what's going to happen in the future. And she was obviously a lot more clearer about how it was going to be than I was. You know what I mean? But when I left, I felt really hurt. But again, to answer the question. She wanted to be really clear and, and know that she's strong enough to able to continue a relationship and him. But look, I'm only speaking from my own experience. But she does say at the end of the email, I'm thinking that as much as I really want to talk to him and see my new grandchildren, that maybe I'm yeah. better off not opening a can of worms. Because it's, as you know, no, it's quite a can of worms. Mm. So, well, stay there for a second, actually, because I want to go to Leslie Ann as well. Leslie Ann, you're yeah. an Ireland's classic kid. How are you doing, Leslie Ann? Hi, Niall. How are you? Darren kind of summed that up perfectly there when he talked about his adoptive mother, when he, or per, biological mother, when he met her, that she didn't want to have a relationship, but she was willing to meet him just once to yeah. explain things to him. And he felt that was like rejection all over again. Yeah, like I, I, I feel if you're just willing to meet them once, it, it kind of is, you know, unless you, like, like Darren said, you really need to think about what you're going to do here, whether you want this child to be a part of your family that you have now mm-hmm. or, or, or not at all because I think it's just a little bit, it's just kind of putting a hand out and then just pulling it back again, you know, that kind of way. Yeah. So what happened I, to you in your situation? So um, my mum was from Balnaslow. She moved up to Dublin at 19, you know, to use yeah. to work in the, in the hotel industry and stuff. And of course she ended up expecting Yep. And she went back down home and my granddad would have been a local county councillor in the town of Balmuslow and oh dare you bring the shame on, on the family, you know, and he was, she, the words were, and my mother only said to me, these are words that stick with me forever, you wheel your buggy elsewhere. So she came back up to Dublin. You and wheel she, your buggy elsewhere. You wheel your buggy elsewhere and they were the very words mm. that she was told. Um, an, un- an unmarried so mother. Sad. Yeah, how dare it's she. so yeah. sad. Yeah. She's only, she was only 19 years of age, like, mm. you know, open to the big smoke up into Dublin, you know, and mm-hmm. but anyway, um, she, she she basically came back up to Dublin and, and she had her baby in the rotunda. Now, my mum didn't want to give her baby up, but the thing was back then also, which few people kind of really know, they used to go around, and these are the religious orders, they used to go around the, the, the halls in, in the maternity hospital, checking charts to see who's with who, or is this mother single, this, that and the other. And my mother remembers them standing by her bedside and telling her, you're worthless, you cannot look after this baby, you need to give it to us, your baby would be better off without you. And they took that baby, they gave her a week with the baby, they took the baby and they put him in Temple Hill in in, in um, Dunleary. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, they had said to my mum, oh, we have family lined up from straight away. Uh, now and they after, didn't, obviously. Oh, no, not yeah. at all. You know, um, after after uh, kind of we delved into it a little bit more, myself and my brother, um, but the dates, kind of, we were looking at the dates and there was like six months in between you know, like he spent six months of his time there. Now, a family did come along and God, like he was literally lived kilometres away from us. All them years, we like like that lad said, or like mm. you said, we mm-hmm. had mutual friends, you know. Yeah. It was it was just so close to the bone. It was unbelievable. But he spent years and years and years looking for us. And, you know, he couldn't get any information. He eventually did. Um, too, so I got on to my mum. Now, my mum had never told us it was only really when she realised, okay, he's looking for me, did she sit us down and say, you know... What was, that, that, what was that like? By the way, did, did your dad know? Now, my dad knew about it, but my dad had passed previous. Oh, okay. Right? Okay, and okay. she remembers back then her 
Tusla contacted them, um, my man, and she said, look, your son's looking for you. And my man turned around and said, look, my husband's dying. I don't think I'm able for this right now. And my dad passed away after a couple of months. And then Tusla got back onto her and she's like, right, yeah, let's go. Let's, okay, and I can, I can understand her putting it on hold while she was dealing with that grief of, yeah, of, of your course, dad passing of away. Course. Yeah, of course. But it was literally within months then after my dad dying, you know, we, we she got the ball in motion. But I remember... So I, me, I, I'm interested in when she sat you down because I think that's what this woman is probably interested in as well. So what, did she call a family meeting or how did that work out? I think she did. She told us individually. Oh, okay. Because we all live in different places. So she she told us all individually. And we were all real, we were all real excited, but we were all like kind of scratching our heads going... Hang on, when did this happen? What date? And of course, and why like, did I not know about it before now? Yeah, yeah, you know, it was one of those things where we're like, hang on, there's lots of years missing here, and we didn't know. And my mom was always afraid to kind of, you know, because my other brother's only like three years younger than him, you know, mm-hmm. and um, you know stuff like that. And she was always kind of scared with us what we'd say, but you know, I, I suppose you never know until you try. There's no point in saying, oh God, they might think. Um, you know, they, you just have to go for it. You yeah. can't hold back. You yeah. don't know what's going to happen. And in air, in, in my, like, from my side of things, I was so delighted. I was excited. I was, I was kind of a little bit, God, you know, ooh, where was he all these years? But now, now he's in our lives. Like, I mean, I would not change a thing. I'm so glad she told us when she did. And how did you, you know? react when you met him, by the way? Oh, God, I um, I just, I, do you know what? I threw my arms around him, I gave him a hug. Now, this is in the middle of town. Yeah. And I felt like he had always been a part of our family because he looked so like us and he looked so like my brother. And so you're kind of looking for the man, and I know that because when I met my sister, it was the same thing. And you're looking for those mannerisms and does he oh, do this and does absolutely. he do that? And <laughs> all I did was stare at him for an hour while he was speaking. <laughs> and God bless him, he was really nervous because he's a real quiet chap. You must you have know? this Leslie Amel is a bit strange. She keeps looking at me all the time. And, He's like, does your woman ever shut up? I kept asking him questions and stuff. And then I was like, maybe he's going to come back, ma'am, and think, oh, God, I don't want to know them anymore. But thankfully, he didn't. You know, he loves us. Thanks be to God. So he, so he basically formed a relationship with Jews. And, yeah. And what do his adoptive parents think of all that? Were they happy um, enough? Were they... I know he, they, they did say, yeah, go ahead. Um, you know, you know, obviously, they gave, they gave him some information in order to find find my mum, you know. Yeah. Um, and they were, they were very supportive, especially his wife as well. Like, he's married yeah. with children and she was very supportive so of you've, him. So you have loads of nieces and nephews now. I have three nieces and nephews and I'm a godmother to one of them and he's a godmother to my little Sienna, Oh, that's great. That was just, great. Okay, well look, well, that's good advice for this oh, mother fabulous. who's listening. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, so do you think she should just sit the family down and just, yeah. and uh, it's going to be a little bit more difficult, of course, because her husband doesn't know. Yeah, I think the husband first yeah. Um and see how he feels about it, and then and then the children, you know. And I think she should go with her gut as well, you know. Maybe the children might kind of feel a little bit awkward about it, but but like they'll they'll get over it. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. No, I know what you, you mean. You know, they need they need to understand. Right, when my mom had a past, and this is what happened, and it's going to do nothing but open up so many doors and Absolutely. happiness, and it can't mm. be anything bad. No, no, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Leslie, and that's a lovely story and I think really well put and I think if this mother is listening to your story, uh, yeah. she'll clearly, I think, see the light, so to speak. And Absolutely. maybe and maybe make the right decision. Thank you, Leslie Ann. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much indeed. Good luck to you and your, your brother. Uh, Paul, you're in Ireland's Classic Kids. How are you doing, Paul? 
Hello, uh, Niall. How are you? Good. Paul, you found your half-brother to um, a DNA site. Yeah, my niece um, found him to a um, DNA ancestry website. Okay. Okay. Um, which one did you use? Because I know there's a few of them out there. Which one did you use? I, I'm not certain, but I think it was ancestry DNA. Oh, I okay. I think. Okay. Um, but she um, she checked out all of her all her own relations who she knew and she knew this auntie, uncle, blah, blah, blah. They all checked out as who she knew about, which then she got a, a connection with this gentleman in America and um, she shared more DNA with him than she did with her own aunties. Right. If you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, now I know. And this, when she went in and did a little bit of research, it pointed out that he's either a grandparent, an uncle or a nephew or so, something... That's how close he was. Yeah. So um, she made contact with him and um, got no reply um, within, say, a couple of days. So she kind of forgot about it then. But about six months later, she was visiting my mother's grave in Glasnevin. She she got a message, a, a bleep on her phone from him. Okay. Which is kind of coincidental, yeah, where it he is, was, yeah. and but um, and he explained who he was, and he said my mother was um, Mary from uh, West Kerry. I won't give the surname. No, of mind. course not. Um, and my mother's Mary. We we went to the registry office in town, um, and it was there in black and white. Yeah. Now even at that, we we still didn't believe the story, so we we had to make a few more inquiries. We had one auntie who was quite old, um, and we didn't know how to approach her because of her age and that. But we we made contact with her with her daughter, and we got a, we got a reply then about three three or four days later and said yes, this information is correct. It's, an, it's amazing the amount the amount of these secrets that are held all over Ireland. We couldn't. We still didn't believe it. Yeah, well, we, yeah. didn't, we, we didn't believe it until my auntie, my auntie um, opened up and told us. And she told us everything. She, everything she remembered. Now, she, some of the details are quite vague because it was it's seventy odd years ago. Yeah, of course. So, um, she she actually said, and she got she was quite emotional. She said, "I was afraid. To, I wanted to tell you, but I was afraid to because I was afraid you'd never talk to me again." Oh, that's so sad, isn't it? That was quite. That was um, yeah, yeah. emotional for everybody. So but was actually, so was there a reunion, Paul? Yes, um, we, myself and my sister, travelled to America um, in 2018. Okay. Again, I was on the plane going over, and I was kind of thinking, do I want to go ahead, or will I stay in the plane and to come back home? Or there was all sorts of things going through my mind. But I went ahead, and we met up, and. Um, as one of your callers earlier on said, within a few minutes, it was like we'd, we'd known, each other, known each other all our lives. lives. It was instant, yeah. Oh, yeah. Was, now, we also, I, didn't, I couldn't see much of a resemblance at all. Maybe a little bit of my mother's hair, yeah. wavy hair or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but other people picked up on mannerisms mm-hmm. between me and him. They, they said, you're... You're, when you were sitting at the table eating your dinner, we were exactly the same. <laughs> a lot of those things are in nature and not nurture, so to speak. So, exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, what, so what was his reaction then to meeting you? Did he in, uh, invite you to meet his family? And 
the initial you know, initially we got we got an email from him and he explained who he was and the you know he gave a brief insight into his life and that and the last line said if you wish to have no further correspondence with us I will understand that okay. line hit that line hit a nerve with me because I kind of thought it's not that important, it's not that important to him is that is that what you were kind of thinking no no it, it, no I I kind of thought well if he's if he's writing that line this is um, a very genuine um person I'm talking to oh, okay okay so anyway yeah when we went, when we met up um. Yeah, it was a, it was a, a huge shock for everybody. Yeah, um, and a, yeah, a huge shock emotionally and whatever. When we met up, it was, it was just amazing, absolutely amazing. Um, so, do you have you still got a relationship now? Do you keep in contact? Yes, we uh, there's, there's emails and letters and you know Christmas cards, birthday cards, that kind of thing. Great, going regularly. My myself and my two sisters are planning to travel over later this year. Um, and is there, a plan, is there a plan for him to come to Ireland at some point? There is. There is. It's in the pipeline. We don't know yet. He was meant to come over two years ago, uh, but COVID wiped that out. Yeah. Um, my auntie, who I explained there a while ago, was meant to meet him that time. Unfortunately, she didn't. She passed away uh, last year, and then they didn't meet. But and you know what? It's it's sad, and that's why I'm worried about this email we got from this woman that. If you leave these things too long, don't tempt faith, is what I always say. If you leave it too long, the person might pass away. Or, God forbid, if somebody had an accident. I mean, let's say that chap who reached out from America to this woman, you know, and she's, you know, procrastinating now at the moment as to what she should do. Let's mm. just say he had an accident or suddenly got a terminal illness or whatever. You know what I mean? You, just, you don't know the way life turns. So take the opportunity, I always say, when you can get it. Oh, yeah, she did. And, and, yeah. and what, now, my brother's daughter, Came over uh, in twenty nineteen. Yeah, and she met my auntie. Um, we went. We called out to her there one day, um, and like the reception was just incredible. Yeah, um, like and I mean they had they they hugged each other and held hands. As, uh, like it was just unbelievable. Yeah, I, I do you believe know? I do believe that's within nature. Um, I don't believe that's nurture. That you automatically, if you're related to somebody in blood. I do believe yeah. that you automatically have a bond. Yeah, oh yeah. I, I don't know I, how that I, works, but I'm sure scientists would explain it to me in some, yeah. some shape or form. So, yeah. I mean, the, the advice you would give to this mother, which is a slightly similar situation to some degree, whereby yeah. she hasn't told her whole family, and, and more so she hasn't told her husband, who she explains is quite a conservative chap. She married him and met him after she had put the baby up for adoption when she was 19. So where does she go from here? I mean, do, does she just sit them down and tell them and bite the bullet and hope for the best? Uh, well, my, I, I don't believe my, my my father ever knew. Yeah, I don't believe my father ever knew. Um, I I know definitely two of her sisters knew, maybe more. I don't know. Yeah, because uh, the rest of them are gone. That was a well kept secret, wasn't it? Very much so. Yeah, and, and you know what? Isn't it surprising how well they kept those secrets in those days? Yeah. I don't know how my mother did it. To be honest with you, yeah, I, I honestly, I honestly don't know. I mean, it's a, um, it's a big deal. It's not, it's not a small thing. You know, you had a baby. You, there was nine months of your life where people might have noticed. You know what I mean? Well, having a baby outside of marriage uh, in this, uh, back then was kind of unheard of. Of course, you're shameful. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, very much so. And in more, more or less, it kind of from the 80s onwards, it was kind of nearly the norm. It, I don't know, maybe I'm using the wrong term, but it was, it was a lot more common 
from the I mean, when you look when so. you look back at the wording, even though I've got my own documentation that I got from St. Pat's, and it has mm-hmm. on it, you know, Nile, baby, Nile, and a little line under the word illegitimate. So I was referred yeah. to as an illegitimate child. I mean, we all know the other words that were used at the time for children that were born out of wedlock. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and some of them were quite derogatory terms. So it was, and that was all, of course, the church, which shamed, you know, women, young women who had children out of wedlock. Very much so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, my brother was adopted from the Navin Road. Yeah, same path. Yep. Um, and he was in the home for, for over two years before he was adopted. Uh, adopted in um, Dublin Airport. I, I'm not sure, but I... I and what, yeah, year, I what year was he there? What year was he born? 51, 1951. 1951. Oh. Um, and he was there over two years. He was, ad- I think it was 53, he was adopted. Yeah. Um, but somebody, from what I believe, some somebody going to America was paid to bring him on the plane. Yeah. Rather than somebody from the mother baby home going with him. They, they, they met somebody who was going to America paid them a, a, a small sum of money. He, this person brought the baby over and handed over the baby to the adopted family in America, America at the time. Yeah. Um, and you can be sure that American family gave a nice donation to St. Patrick's. That's usually what happens. Yeah. We, we know, I'm sure they did. And I, know me, I do know my mother made a number of donations as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We do know that we found some paperwork in recent years to, to prove that. Yeah. Um, but um, quite shocking we, the way it all happened. Now I know you know time is a, it was a different time. I, I get that, but mm-hmm. I, and it certainly wouldn't happen now. But um, it's quite shocking, isn't it? The, the behaviour and the way the things that we did in those days that we assumed were acceptable, or in some way or another, I don't know why we. Yeah, accept. I mean, as I say, I mean, to us it was a it was total disbelief. Yeah, um, I can imagine. It took it took us a full I'd say nearly a full year. Because yeah. Um, well, maybe. Well, look, I, I'm delighted that you formed a relationship with your uh, your now brother. <laughs> I'm delighted that you formed a relationship and and enjoy yeah. the many trips that you might have to him and he might have towards uh, coming over here. Listen, I appreciate you coming on the air and talking about it, Paul. Thanks very much. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, appreciate that. And I appreciate your honesty as well. Okay. All right, look at some of your texts coming in. Somebody says, "Nile, it's amazing." Um, I'm a little bit too young to remember most of the stories from then, but it's amazing to listen to the stories of people in relation to how their mothers were forced into mother and baby homes. Somebody says, "Nile, I still don't understand how women felt they were forced to give their children up for adoption. Surely they had the choice in the matter." Yeah, look. Well, I would argue that sometimes they didn't have a choice in the matter, depending on which mother and baby home they were in. But when you say choice. Is it really a choice when you're being told not to come home with the baby by your father or mother? Is it really a choice when, as somebody mentioned earlier on, was you can wheel that buggy in another town or whatever it happens to be, in other words, you're not going to have that baby in this village. Is it really a choice when a nun is leering over you and basically telling you you're worthless, you're useless, you're unmarried, you're never going to be able to support your child? And at the time, the government didn't have supports for single parents, financial supports for single parents in this country. So there wasn't the financial support. They may not have had financial support from their family either because the family didn't want to financially support what they believed was an illegitimate child because that was the way it was worded in those days. So no, there wasn't really a choice. They were coerced usually into signing these forms to get their children up for adoption. Let me go to Emma. Emma, you're an Ireland's class of kids. How are you doing, Emma? Hi, how are you? Nice to talk to you, Emma. So you were an Thank adoptee you. through St. Patrick's Home on the Navan Road, which is the busiest, biggest mother maybe home. 
Well, I was actually more Hampton Road, but okay. yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> on the side, yeah. Okay, and when when was this? What year was that? Um, 1973. Oh, okay. I was born in 1973. Okay, you yeah. sound a lot younger, Emma, can I just point out? Okay. So, <laughs> Thank you. So, Emma, did, did you go on the journey then trying to find out who your parents were? I did. I did. Um, my parents are wonderful, wonderful people. So they adopted three of us and uh, from, from St. Patrick's. They then went on to have a son of, of their own. Um, so I suppose out of all of us, I was quite uh, the rebellious one and mm-hmm. I was just saying to your producer there, I was always there, you know, if I find my birth parents, life will be better. Um, oh, nice. All that kind of carry on, um, yeah. just being ridiculous. So I did approach St. Patrick's and um, managed to get some information from a wonderful nun who was there at the time, Sister Teresa. And okay. she broke uh, very difficult news to me that uh, she had found my mother and that my birth mother had, in fact, married my birth father. Um, and they went on to have four more children. Okay. So there was a bit of back and forth. You know, the way to do it, as you know, back then was that you had to write a letter to St. Patrick's Guild. St. Patrick's Guild passed it to her. So there was an awful lot of back and forth. And it was, you know, very, mm. very difficult waiting yeah. and waiting and waiting. And because there was, there was months in between all of the correspondence oh, all the time. Months, yes, months. And yeah. Sister Teresa ended up, you know, having to register the letters to make sure she got them. And there was all this kind of tension. And at one point, probably more than, than once, I did say, look, oh, it's not worth it. It's just too much hassle, too much stress. But we did hear, and um, everything that Sister Teresa had told us was, was accurate. Um, they went on to have their oldest, or sorry, the, the next child, yeah. um, again, still out of wedlock. Um, but um, they got married, I think, a year later and went on to have three more. So okay. um, we, I met my birth mother and I met um, an aunt who was at the, the birth, my my birth, and who yeah. was the one who handed me over. And we're still very close with my aunt. Um, and did she tell you the circumstances surrounding your birth or why at that time she felt that? Because I mean, these are questions I'm sure you wanted sure. to know the answers to. She As, was, uh, yeah, she, uh, she was 19. Like, to, to be honest, I found it difficult to understand why. I, I still don't really know why. Um, mm-hmm. She had a supportive family. She came from a huge family. Okay. Her mother and two sisters did know about me, so it wasn't, a, from what I can gather, a big stigma around it. But maybe okay. it was just it seemed to be just her own decision. Um, yeah. So I so I met her, and you know I look very similar to her, quite similar mannerisms, etc., mm-hmm. etc. And when I did meet her, Niall, I was always under the impression that the her children knew about me. That's the impression that she gave. And my husband also picked up on that impression as well. We subsequently found out that she had, in fact, never told them. Oh, right. And then we were putting up the Christmas tree one day, uh, Christmas week, and I got a phone call to say that she had told them, completely out of the blue, and um, they all wanted to meet me. So that Christmas, all, it was all a bit strange, to be honest. With I, can, I can imagine. Yeah. All this apprehension all of a sudden, yes. Yeah, so I mean, I guess, you know, stepbrothers and, and stepsisters is, is slightly different. But when they're, they're your own flesh and blood, it is yeah. quite tra- quite a traumatic experience. Because you think, what are they going to look like? Do they look like me? Et cetera, yeah. et cetera. So we met in a pub in Dublin City, as 
only no Irish better, do meet I was going to say no better place for Irish people to meet than in a pub after we'll meet in the pub we'll be grand <laughs> and my uh, my friend came with me and she was at the bar and she was just bawling crying she said it was like something you see on television so um, you were kind of saying you weren't much used to bring because you just no stood there use. crying she was just a mess and she had told all the bar staff and they were just like oh my god this is so emotional but um, yeah so like it look it went well the first few times we met it went well then then relationship started to kind of strain just a little bit. Um, do you think there was a natural bond between you or do you think that some people describe it, I would even describe it as a situation where it's a kind of forced relationship where you're thinking is. to yourself that I should be very close to these people but I just don't feel it. You're not, you're not. Yeah. You may look You may look so similar and I look very close to my brother um, but they are strangers, essentially. They're complete strangers. You, yeah. you had absolutely no similarities in how you were brought up. Absolutely I mean, it's none. like somebody saying to me, I want you to meet Emma today. And yeah. I want you and Emma to be the best of friends for the rest of your life. And that, that just has to happen. Yeah, you and, can try, you can yeah. force this, you can yeah. find common interest in, you know, you might have the same interest in Netflix programs, but that's about <laughs> it, to be fair. Yeah. You know, there really is nothing. Uh, we did try a few times, but as I said, relationships soured significantly um, with the, the girl who's, who was born a year after me. I think she felt very hard done by. She really okay. kind of got very cross with uh, the aunts that knew why was nobody ever told, etc., etc., etc. And look, you kind of me, took her position in the family, didn't you? I, I did, and I made it very clear that I was making no positions for yeah. myself in anyone else's family. I have my own. But you, you did, uh, but uh, you know, unknowns to you, you did. You took her position. Yeah, and, I was, and, I, and there's I, a psychological thing there, and I understand that. Yeah, I was not coming in to be king of any castle here at all. Um, but look, that that's just what happened. It took. Mm. You know, a good few years, and um, so where are you? Where are you at now with us? Now? Where am I at now? Is is a good question. I have uh, one sister, Neve, who I'm very close with. We we talk a lot, and the others, including my birth parents, unfortunately, just decided they just didn't want anything. Have- didn't want anything to do with me any longer. So you just don't have a relationship with those any longer. And look, yeah. by the way, these things happen. It's not a reflection on them. It's not a reflection on you. And and I know it happens to a lot of people in these situations because sometimes I know there's nature versus nurture, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But you just, sometimes you just can't force a relationship. But exactly. essentially it's a complete stranger. And, and you know, for me, I guess, you know, if, if all of those situations were to happen now, now you, there'd be counselling coming out of everywhere. Oh, yeah. To, yeah. Help, to help absolutely everyone. Oh, but I was told I had a sister while I was driving my car one day. And it exactly. wasn't even, it wasn't even that you have a sister. It was, I, I had met my birth mother and it was years later, tussling around me, it just happened to be in the car one day. And I said, how'd that go? And oh, yeah, 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 great. <laughs> By the way, you have a sister. And I was like 54 years of age at this stage of my life. <laughs> You're like, what? It's just like, by the way, not bring you in and sit you down with a counsellor to chat to you beforehand just to make sure you're all right. I mean, if I had been a weak-minded person, it could have affected me very badly. And you could have crashed the car and that wouldn't have ended well. Yeah, so, so, yeah, what, this- so I did what Niall normally does and I go on the radio and talk about it the next day and then my sister contacted me from England because she heard it. You know, there is no backup for people. No. And back to the, the the original email that you had in, should she or shouldn't she, Um she would have to, I suppose, just make sure her children are are a hundred percent, you know, well to to handle the the admission that she's going to make. That would be my only advice for her. Okay. Um, if it's a huge burden for her, if it will help her, 
get counselling first, then talk to them. Um, because I feel that having the support and the backup of some professional help would help a lot of people in these situations. And for me personally, as an adopted person, that should be just in place anyway for anyone that needs it not to have to go out and get it yourself and to to you know but that's the situation well from what i believe now god only knows how long it's going to take them to do it but the legislation is still coming by the way according to roderick o'gorman in relation to people having the right to find out who their parents are or who their brothers and sisters are and there will be free counseling and support services put in place we've all lived a lifetime by then you know Mm. i'm nearly 50 now yeah you know that's it's too late that's, yeah, too um, late for you, too late for me, but for, uh-huh. for those who may be only starting out on that journey, although in saying that, most of us now have already been through that journey because so much time has passed. Exactly, I mean, exactly. that's yeah. it. We're all, of, we're all of, you know, not too dissimilar ages. Yeah. Um, so is it too late? I don't know. My own birth mother probably could have done with some. Would she have been able to, to tell them sooner? And or deal with that relationship with you better, I suppose, and as well. Just, just to take away that absolute shame yeah. that that the mothers would have felt at that time and shame is a terrible terrible thing to carry around for for anybody as 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 mm-hmm. we all know but for years to have that on your in your bag is is quite incredible so yeah absolutely yeah. well listen I, I appreciate you sharing your story Not with at us all. thanks, thanks very much Nick. All right, and, and hopefully that woman listening is listening to everybody's story today and kind of formulating some sort of plan uh, Anna you're in Ireland's classic kids how are you doing Anna Hi Niall how are you Okay uh, at 18 you found out that you had a sister I did, yes. Okay, and how did you, who told you first of all? My mum. Okay, and how did you react to that news? Well, it was kind of so shocking I wasn't even shocked, if you know what I mean. Yeah, you're like, oh, okay. I know. I, know. <laughs> I remember I was wrapping Christmas presents in the living room and it was like, oh, you have a sister. Like, By the way, okay. th- th- there's some sort of pattern here because Emma found out at Christmas, I found out on New Year's, you yeah. found out at Christmas. So there th- seems to be a good time to pass on information like that. Yeah, maybe it? that's it. Yeah, 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 family time. Yeah, so so you got that bit of information and what did you do with that bit of information then? Or what, or how did you handle that information then? Well, I, I just asked more questions. Mm-hmm. Um, but my mum had only just... Um, the daughter that she had had adopted had just traced her so that's what had prompted her to tell me at that time okay had she met her yet she hadn't met her no she received a letter from her okay okay now my dad had always known she'd always told my dad about that whole situation um but she had just never told me but then obviously she was going to need to tell me now and um so well it kind of went into the mode of she was quite upset um, at what to do with the information herself. Yeah. And, you know, it was stressful for her, so we just kind of rallied around her, really. Yeah. Which kind of... And I see I'm an only child, so it was kind of exciting in a way because I had always wanted a sibling. <laughs> yeah. So now I kind of had one. Um, a ready-made one, so to speak. A ready-made, <laughs> a ready-made and fully, fully grown one. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was quite exciting, really. You know, and did you did you resent the fact that you kind of had missed out on that relationship with her for eighteen years of your life? I did. I did a little bit at the time because I was eighteen, so I was still kind of a stroppy teenager, and you yeah, know, yeah. Um, I mean, in hindsight, like, yeah, you know, like we were never going to be growing up together. You know, that was never going to be a thing anyway. So, um, and in relation to the woman who sent in this email, just I suppose advice for her. You know, yeah. How did you feel about your mum after she told you that? Did did you kind of 
I don't want to use the word hate, that's a very strong word. Did you dislike her for, for keeping that secret from you? Not at all, not at all, because, like, you have to understand that, um, you know, like, this was a secret from before I ever existed. Yeah. So, like, at what point should she have told me, really? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's not really something that she needed or should have told me. I mean, she didn't have to tell me about any other events that happened in her life before I even existed, did she? So no, you know, but, but if you ca- yeah, but if you carried on through your life and found out, say, you know, when yeah, you I know 50, that I had a be... sister. Well, I was just glad that I found out then, yeah. rather than not finding out at all. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you've built up a relationship now with your your new sister. Yes, and... we don't live in the same country. She's in the UK, but okay. um, so we don't see each other that much. But yes, we built up a relationship. Um, Do you look like her at that time? Do I look like her? Um, Kind of, yeah. Okay, is yeah. she is she, she as she mad as you? Because you said you were rebellious and a bit mad. Is she as mad as you and as rebellious as you? Um, possibly in a different way, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. And and how is your mum now with a newfound relationship? Is she okay? Is she still relate? Does she still keep a relationship with your mum as well? Well, my mum passed away. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Sorry. Um, ten years ago. So this all happened maybe twenty odd years ago. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, you know, even better that she got to have those 10 or 12 10 years. 10 years, yeah. Um, and did she have she a good relationship? build a relationship. Yeah, did, did, I was going to say, did she have a good relationship while your mum was alive? Yeah, no, it was strange for a while because yeah. I think just because they were both trying not to step on each other's toes and, you know, oh, I don't know how much contact the, the other person wants, so I don't want to push it too much. Do you know that? They were both very aware of not wanting to overstep any boundaries, that kind of thing. Of course, so, I understand that, yeah, yeah. So it was slow and it was a bit um, stilted there, you know, for a while. And then, of course, she had a new family, like a fam- the family that had reared her. Um, so she didn't want to upset those parents, you know, and mm. nor did my mom. She didn't want to be like the mom coming in, you know. Yeah, of course. Um, so there was all that. But, I mean, it was all... I mean, in hindsight, looking back, it all went as smoothly as could be hoped. Okay, and the advice you would give to this woman, I suppose, in, in the situation that your mum was in at that time is, look, just bite the bullet and tell them. Tell them, because they'd surely rather know than not know. That's a very good point. Listen, Anna, thank you. Thank you very much indeed for sharing that. I'm sorry to rush everybody, but I'm unfortunately running out of time. Uh, thank you very much indeed, Anna and Emma and everybody else who was on today giving that advice because you've all been there in exactly the same situation. And the advice of that mother listening, if you are listening, is... Just sit them down and tell them. You have to bite the bullet at some point. Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show.